Hello, everyone. This is episode 36 of High Fantasy, member of the Broken Jars Network, and Colin has returned from the other side of the pond. I did. (laughs) Hence my presence out of the UK. You just seem so sad now. Well, I'm not on vacation anymore. (laughs) It was a bit of a breakneck speed, though, so it's nice to... You need a vacation to recover from your vacation? Yeah, I only had a day off which wasn't enough because then I crashed the day after I worked and couldn't get it to work because I was just like, nope. Right. We stayed in a different city every night, so we were kind of traveling a couple hours every day and seeing things in between. And Oof. Ouch, that's pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, it was worth it, but... Still, it's pretty yeah. rough. Beautiful Did you get country. anything done during your vacation? So I bought two notebooks with me, fresh ones, and in one of them on the car rides, I basically wrote down for the... George Washington's story, I kind of wrote down descriptions for each country and culture and various parts of just all the world building stuff that I hadn't really done before. And then in the other one, I actually worked on the story itself, but I only got like five pages of that written. Yeah, that always does seem harder on a notebook than on a computer. Yeah, my handwriting's terrible. And <laughs> and car rides. And car rides yeah. are not inducing to get writing. all bumpy. And, yeah. yeah. Half the time, I just write at the bar. <laughs> that, that I, hey, if it works. Yeah. Yeah, if it works, it works. Um, Stop playing with the duck. <laughs> Colin has a new toy. It is a duck and it makes nasty noises. <laughs> I think that was me sipping. Uh, yeah. This I is was Oscar. a little productive. I'd say like 700 words. So doing things. I've, I'm to this point to where I need to figure out exactly how to do something and it's proving difficult. I'm trying to create this... Um, comedic scene where like these bounty hunters are like blowing up the, you know the place where the protagonists are in Andromeda's love and I'm trying to like I don't know for some reason it's just not coming to me this is the Golden Girls one yeah maybe I've just never really watched Golden Girls but they're trying to blow up the space station uh, well they're the the Golden Girls are being hunted so because they stole some stuff and the people want it back and so they're like blowing up this sex club slash animal refuge uh, where the girls are at. What? Entrepreneur <laughs> decided to combine those two things? Yeah, what? There's strict it sounds rules like in- several laws are being broken. There's strict rules about not doing anything with the animals, so I got that covered. Uh, but yeah, but this guy like... watch you or you watch them or... I mean, yeah, they can. you can let them watch you, I guess. <laughs> But this is like this dude, like he's got all this money. He started a sex club, but he's also really an animal. So that's what he, that's what he did. <laughs> Alex is having a hard time wrapping her. I'm just like, I'm trying to contain myself from saying nasty shit. <laughs> when have you ever done that in the history of this I'm time? trying. <laughs> just be free. I bet he's into animals. <laughs> <laughs> It just seemed a little risky to make a bestiality joke, but okay, fine. If you're going to bait me. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, that's kind of the thing is like, I was trying to think of like the two most different things to mash up for this location. Like <laughs> hmm, sex club and animal conservatory. I'm pretty sure the very small percentage of listeners who are bestiality uh, fetishists are not really a subgroup I'm interested in keeping. <laughs> They'll be very sorry to hear that. <laughs> Oh, we're all going straight to hell. <laughs> but so are they. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's so I guess what I. Cute animals in hell, maybe or not? I don't. I'm shutting up now. 
But yeah, I've been, been drawing. Been drawing. I've been yes, from trying to actually get better at drawing in order to do graphic story in a graphic way. It has been weirdly haphazard. Like I expected more difficulty drawing bodies when I started. Turns out that was easier than faces. So I focused on faces for a couple of days. And women's faces got super easy and men's faces got okay. But I'm trying to figure out how to show like a slightly aged character. And that's been stumping me the past couple of days. Because I, I, I can make someone look 20 or I can make them look 60. I can't make them look 45. <laughs> Draw like the 20 year old and give them gray hair. I guess. It really work. <laughs> I don't know if most 45 year olds have gray hair, but it depends. Um, yeah. It's just like, it's, it's tra- hard to show that in between. But I know it's possible. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> I have n- like I I cannot draw, so I have no advice. Like, yeah, so it's like I wish I could help, but there's literally nothing I can do to help you. <laughs> like me trying to help would probably actually hurt the entire process. It's it's a weird sort of torture because I'm not that good at it. I'm good enough to be frustrated with how not good I am at it. And yeah, at least you're at least you're understanding your abilities. Sort of. Well, at least you're honest with yourself. <laughs> like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally awesome. And then they actually like, Well, like as I'm trying something, it's like, hey, that's like symmetrical or proportional. That's really cool. But the next day I look at it, it's like, eh, and I don't like it. Uh, I'm trying to doing it I'm, I'm, like almost every day I've been doing it at least a few minutes. Nice. One day I will actually start drawing this thing. Okay. Uh, the topic is an easy one because we're not all that together and we're still recovering i think from colin's vacation <laughs> well, i just, i just got back from washington dc about, oh, yeah. about an half ago got to, actually got to hang out with our patron tyler oh nice yeah came up to dc so was hey, he the one on last week yeah okay yep so okay. uh it's cool seeing him washington dc is just a cool place in general it is but like I was looking at my my fitness tracking information, I did like forty two thousand steps in three days. Yeah, you walk everywhere, you know. The day we did our hike in Snowdonia it was thirty three thousand steps, I think. That's what eight mile is it? It's five thousand steps a mile, right? Or is it two thousand a mile? Two thousand, I think. That's we did something like hundred and one miles walking. Jesus, it's crazy. And now I'm going to sit back and lose all that. <laughs> well, let's let's start ranting with the. So, is it just book series that, uh, or is books? Just books. Anything you enjoyed that Stories. you still any story you enjoyed that you still have a major beef with? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, guess, Colin's locked oh, and loaded. I mean, not so much, but I can start. <laughs> uh, neither of you have read Wheel of Time. Eh, I know some of it. Yeah, you, I mean, you've read enough to understand that when I say gender politics, it's a big aspect of the story. Uh, yeah. And it is sometimes excessive. It, from, so I read the first book and my mom read, I think, the whole series. And I would just like, ask her questions about it because I wasn't up to reading that massive amount of paper. <laughs> um, it, every, the gender stuff seems to be on the face of it, simplistic, and then just taken very seriously from that simple point. Yeah, I mean, the problem is that he does make it such an integral part of the story, but never actually explores it any further than just women are good, men are bad, except not always. 
it seems like in my perspective, he did very simple things and then made it really important as well. Like the fact that the, I don't remember how to pronounce it. The desert people don't quite understand all the various, yes, the like how people use water. They seem to never fully grasp it. They're constantly having miscommunications about it. Yeah. They're, Miscommunication is the like ninety percent of the story. Yeah, but that's I, every story. I, <laughs> in time, especially you have the men who can channel the magic automatically go crazy, mm-hmm. and have for three thousand years. So there's an inherent distrust for any man in charge of things, pretty much. So you've got the women who can channel, and they're the ones in charge everywhere, and they're constantly mistrusted for being in charge. Everyone doesn't trust anyone. Yeah, it's just anywhere. There is no trust here. No. My favorite aspect of it that only comes up slightly is pillow friends. Pillow friends. So when women go to the tower to learn how to channel, apparently the novice testing is so difficult that, you know, just most of them form lesbian relationships with other novices to help deal with the stress. And then, you know, when they finish training, they move on from that. All right. (laughs) I I guess that can work. I I mean, it seems in a certain sense realistic. You lock a bunch of people up together... They're probably going to start fucking. There are men around, though. Um, There's actually one novice gets kicked out because she spends the oh, whole time. She's, they're restricted to only women? No. Then, but okay. apparently, well, only women are learning, so in the novice court. Because if there were men around, yes, there will be women going after them. <laughs> I do okay. like that. It's just apparently very common. I don't know. I don't know why it was necessary. He mentioned because sex sells. But you don't actually ever get the scenes of it. You just know it's happening. Yes. Sometimes that's enough, I guess. <laughs> These girls are boning and that's all you need to know. Yeah. I guess just, just imagine it, even though I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to put the effort of that, but Which is go funny ahead and know. How many characters in the series are extremely prudish, but apparently everyone else is just completely salacious? Rand did end up with three women. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I, I feel like words had at the time, but a lot of the relationship parts and the gender politics comes off as wishes. A lot of it gets, again, I have to say simplistic of like, someone says something a little dumb, it gets really misconstrued and it causes a fight and the guy goes like, I wish the other one was here to, because they're so much better. And the women just stomp off being angry and tugging skirts and pulling braids and all that. That's like 90%. If you hadn't stopping off angry. She's just always angry. It just... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be what the women did is that everyone, they just leap to conclusions, be angry, do whatever girly thing they're going to do, and then get involved. Two of the power sisters go on an adventure. Two of the older men come along to, you know, help watch out for them because they're going to the city, the kind of anarchy. And they just shit on them in the entire time and pretty much just think they're all a bunch of idiots. Of course, they almost get themselves captured like three times, but... Like you do. Like uh, you do. Every... You've talked about this book so much that I like... I it's never want to read it. very good series. But it sounds yeah. awful. <laughs> There's still good parts to it. There are very good parts to it, but the gender relations are not one of them, in my opinion. Uh, oh, I like when uh, Fael is being annoying to Perrin and starts slapping him. He spanks her to make her stop. And that was like, apparently, okay. That's a little domestic abuse between friends. Just a little. <laughs> I mean, that was his wife, right? That was her name? Well, girlfriend at the time, yeah. <laughs> Same difference. Yeah. Yeah, she was acting up, so he bent her over his knee and spanked her. She always did seem kind of like a Something weird, dressy like little bitch. Yeah. Though I was reading the uh, Leah Butler's reread on tour, and she was not happy with that scene. 
Especially the way it was just treated as she accepted the punishment week afterwards. Not a good, you know, healthy relationship. It is interesting to wonder if he wrote that today, what would happen? Oh, he'd be an uproar. <laughs> Which is funny because in an earlier scene, the story implied that one of the Ayal chiefs spanked Berylin, the hussy woman from, T- from uh, Mayin that's always hitting on everyone. And that was less problematic. Well, at least doesn't cause as much of an up as a, a rage, but still not healthy relationships here. <laughs> All right. Jacob, do you want to do your obligatory issue? <laughs> I mean, I can. I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast knows I hate the introduction of children for <laughs> children's sake. So, like, it got introduced in Dresden. And it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good either. Like, like Dresden just, I mean, granted, it's his kid. And, you know, he tried to play it off of the whole, I was an orphan, so I want to be there for my kid and all this stuff. And it's just, still, he goes and does crazy shit to, try <laughs> to save his daughter. And even though that's kind of in character for him, it's just annoying. It was... Especially because it's out of the blue. Like, it would make more sense if it was just, like... I don't know if he had known about her. Yeah. It was like a very obvious attempt to ratchet up the stakes and give a more pressing human element to Dresden's. Exactly. And so we'll see how things progress, you know, because like he pondered off on Michael for a while and now like he's going to start, at least it seems like he's going to start taking care of her. So it'll be interesting to see. Michael, right? He's just going to. Have you read Briefcases? Not yet. Is it out? Yes, Yes. it is out. Mm -hmm. I was away. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, it has some mentions of her, especially in the new story that came out with it called Zoo Day. And we will be dissecting it in the Dresden (laughs) podcast soonish. I hate that. I hate the kid trope. Like it was terrible. And then they did it in Scrubs. It ruined Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Like. There are so many shows where I'm just like, nope, I'm, I'm out. When they do like the long lost child that, you know, shows up just to cause strife. Well, like, I think just, that's just let these people be happy <laughs> for fuck's sake. Well, not that, but five minutes. <laughs> that's part of what I loved about Seinfeld is they really never introduced anything into the story that stayed longer than any five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, that that's my obligatory. I hate children. children. What other stories have unexpected children? I heard this great quote. It was uh, every generation liberty is assaulted by marauders. We call them children. <laughs> like yes, that's exactly how I feel about kids. I haven't read it yet, but doesn't the Twilight series get super weird where they have like a magic baby kid that grows up really fast, and then her ex boyfriend werewolf guy falls in love with it, her suddenly rapidly aged daughter thing yes so (laughs) okay i can explain this and that's a little problematic um (laughs) so when human women get impregnated by vampire men the pregnancy is accelerated she went through a whole pregnancy in like six weeks and yeah um the way there was no way that she was going to survive the birth. Does so, C-section? No. I thought I read. That. No, That's but it. during the birth, she had to be converted into a vampire because it's the only way that she was going to survive, and the baby was actually ripped out of her because bad timing. Baby was dying. She was dying. All sorts of shit. Um, and the werewolves were—they have this thing they could imprint on people 
that it would just be like their soulmate forever. And Jacob, her ex-boyfriend sort of person, imprinted on her baby. Baby is still, yeah. And he had, it becomes very innocent when that happens because they, all they do is they want that, that person to be very happy. And this baby just happens to be aging up. Like she'll be uh, like an adult, I think by the age of 15 or 12 or 15, some time of that. And then she just stay that way forever because they stop aging after a point, but there is an accelerated growth period still. It was weird. Sounds like it. Yeah, I don't know why an author would ever decide that's a good way to take a story. Well, because I mean, now that they decided to get married, they have to have a baby. Why does the ex-boyfriend need to fall in love with the baby? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the baby coming to existence, but uh, <laughs> triangle with the ex, that's just... Because it ratches up the drama. That's what all around. Of, it kind of killed it, really, because the werewolves were all ready to like start killing the vampires because they were going to be breaking the law by having a you know someone changing into a vampire. They weren't supposed to be doing that. And, and then all of a sudden, baby, everyone's happy. Until the other vampire bad guys decided to come killing people. And then nothing happened. That's we can move on now. Yeah, like, I don't know. Kids are done so poorly for the most part. That it's just like... Maggie's done really well, though. Maggie's done really well. But it's just, it's just bad. <laughs> and then, like... At least in Dresden, when he handles like the Carpenter kids, it's not too bad. Like their reactions are like very kid-like, which <laughs> you'd oh. expect. But I don't know. I felt the- interaction with Maggie got creepy. <laughs> or not Maggie, Maggie. Yeah, Molly. Oh yeah, huge oh, difference yeah. there. Yes. So. Yeah, <laughs> Molly is. I mean, everyone is like, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are shipping Dresden and Molly. I just nope. Out. <laughs> Dresden loves Karen. Yes, I. Yeah, I've got my own theories about that. So. <laughs> Alex, what trope do you hate? Or- well, it's hard to think of things at the moment of series I've already read, but I have been trying to read uh, Lions of al Rasan by Guy Gabriel K. What is his name again? Okay. Okay, because I've heard people really, really like his books. I found it at the used bookstore, picked it up. I have to admit, his world building is kind of cool because it's like, it's clearly... Spain, Iberia, same influences of everything. There are Muslims, there are Jews, there are Christians. They're just all renamed and there's like two moons and stuff. The characters are kind of cool and the political strife is pretty fun. But I hate the way he treats one of the characters. She's kind of the main character and I have no idea how to pronounce her name, but it's spelled J-E-H-A-N-E. So like Jehane, Jehane, I don't know. But he treats her almost like a Mary Sue without outright doing it. She'll do things and then realize that it was the right thing to have done all along or something. She's getting into an argument about she's going to leave the city and where is she going to go? There's all sorts of places that would be bad. Then she says she's going to Ragosa. And they like, oh, yeah, that's the perfect answer. And he did this for everything she's done so far. He kind of does that in an extent. But the way I look at it, he's telling a story. So he's telling you in the present tense why this character did the right thing because obviously they're going to go on and do the right thing because that's what the story is about. This I don't is, know if it's the way he handles it in Alliance of Alvarez, but it's being told. It's past tense, third person. It's mm. sometimes omniscient, sometimes pretty limited. It switches yeah. and it's weird. But with every other point of view character, they have flaws. They make decisions beforehand and then follow them through. <laughs> she does things and then it's like, oh yeah, that was good or that was weird. It, but she she does things and then decides if it was good or bad afterward. But she they're almost always. Herself. Like she's, she's like, 
that's the perfect answer. Or is oh. she got involved into a fight and uh, brought evidence basically of the someone having done something horrific. It led to that guy's death. And afterwards she's like, Oh, I basically killed him. It's like, you really should have thought of that before you instigated it. <laughs> and it's everything that she's been doing has been treated this way. Everything else I've been really enjoying, but I don't like how he's treating her in the prose. In Tagana, he'll break off in omniscient to say, and that decision, circumstances that the character didn't know was going to happen, but very important. Yeah, he's done that a few times, which I, it was more, uh, I can't think of the word. It, was, it made me more interested in what's going on. Like, at a point, she was being taken away from something that was a normal day, and she's like, she never found out the end of one of the things she was dealing with before. Or she wondered sometimes what would have happened if she hadn't left afterwards mm -hmm. because nothing was ever the same again. It's like, so he did those types of yeah. hints, and it was fine. So, yeah. I just, the way he's treating her specifically is weird. None of the other characters are getting treated that way. Well, I'm really enjoying Tagana, so. That's good. <laughs> Maybe I'll check out that one after. One thing uh, that bothers me is when you get to, like, especially in a book series, when the author spends the first, like, four chapters rehashing all the plot points from the previous book. Like, uh, J.K. Rowling does it a lot in Harry Potter. Like, the first, like, bit of it is pretty much like, previously on Harry Potter, you know. <laughs> That's pretty much That's what it was. not really rehashing the previous events, but one of the things that always drives me crazy in Dresden, when in book seven or book ten, he's telling you rules of magic again. Like, I don't need to listen to Dresden talk about how magic impacts electronics around him again. I understand that by now. Yeah. He, I got kind of... Uh, I started skipping over when I was devouring it the first time. It's like all the descriptions of the blue yeah. beetle. It's like, yeah, I don't care. But I always like, paid attention at like the description of the lab. That would always change. No uh, oh, yeah. The first three or four books were brutal, though, when you would like. But I understand you're establishing it and trying to get mm -hmm. your readers to follow it. But when he starts to tell you again in book, I think in Deadbeat at one point, he rehashes something. And it's just like, I'm just skipping this paragraph now. There, I mean, if you're talking about when he was talking with Butters about why magic is real and Butters is still disbelieving for a little while, that had a very specific Usually purpose. internal thoughts of him. Mm. Especially when he talks about magic being faith and belief, which he does all the time. All the time. Especially as the series is now much more... Actiony? Not actiony, <laughs> like it's... Like, the first couple books you could read in any order. Just about, yeah. Just about. And I can see wanting to explain it in every book because you don't know who's picking it up where. But now yeah. it is a series of books that you got to read in order. No, when, once you hit like Deadbeat and Beyond, I think you need to read them in order. Yeah. Uh, but You could probably pick up at Death Masks and any of the ones before that you can read in any given order to make sure you have the pieces. Because what happens in Summer Night is pretty damn important. Oh, yeah. But you don't need it when you just need it, the knowledge of it in the future. Yeah, I mean, that's what eventually, like, J.K. Rowling's rehashing is what eventually got me to, like, throw like throw in the towel on reading I Harry Potter. I don't remember the rehashing is bad in Harry Potter. Bad. She, she would do it pretty much every first chapter because he, she would re-explain what happened at the end of the previous school year, and Harry would be thinking about it, and always started on his birthday, and then in some fashion he would leave the Dursleys. She had a formula. Yeah. And then she broke it in book seven, which I hated. And book four, though. Eh, Things actually happened before the school year. That is true. He actually did something. I guess he does something, but that had actually fun of him and not just terrible things that send him off. <laughs> like the flying car. That was fun. Yeah, it's always, how does Harry get? <laughs> book four, finally, it was like, hey, Harry's actually having a summer vacation. Those that don't happen. Out badly. Uh, on Harry Potter, I know it's 
realistic, but I hated the Alf Liberation storyline in Goblet of Fire. It, it felt like a really stupid thing to do to Hermione. It just added so much annoying drama to the storyline. And yeah, it's probably realistic for a bunch of teenagers, but it was just so annoying. It, Ron kind of came off as a jackass. Hermione was just annoying. Ron's always a jackass. <laughs> I don't like Ron. Like Hermione should not have ended up with Ron. I like not. Hermione ending up with Ron a lot better than if she'd end up with Harry because then it's just, it would have been too perfect if yeah. she ended up with Harry. I like her going towards the dumb one. <laughs> the brave one. Someone should end up with Neville. I mean, Luna and Neville were like the perfect couple. <laughs> I'm never going to get over that. But the House of Liberation front thing bothered me as well because it just seemed that Hermione was being obtuse in the fact that like these magical creatures are not human and they do not want human things. So she's forcing her human values onto them and they did not want it. Yeah, that's pretty annoying. Yeah. I think she just needed more drama in that story. So she just threw in. Though House Elves do pop up in importance every once in a while. Yeah, once in a while. And I don't think it's out of character for Hermione to pursue that agenda, but she's not very smart about it. Yeah, it's just a, a lack of wisdom, I guess. And it's just an annoying storyline. <laughs> it serves no real purpose. Yeah, it's like the only storyline in the entire series that I felt like you could just cut and no one miss at all. I'm sure there are others, but I'm I can't trying remember. To remember if that ever pays off for Hermione later in the books when House Elves help her because of it. I don't think so, because I don't think they liked her. The only house that helped was Dobby. And Dobby just liked Harry for freeing him, but his masters were assholes. Yeah. And weird creature who didn't, definitely did not want to be free. Yeah. And then Dobby's girlfriend there, that was weird. Winky? That was Binky. Binky? I don't know, it was one of those two. Yeah, the, was it the Crouches? Yeah, she was the Crouches, and she was, uh, she became an alcoholic because she had been freed. And she didn't want it so bad that she wanted to go back to the Crouches so much she was drunk on butterbeer all the time. That's how much they did not want to be freed and Hermione couldn't get it. I guess it's a growing moment for her. Know-it-alls don't always know it all. I'm just trying to remember if that ever actually impacts her decision-making, where she stops to think for a moment that maybe she doesn't have all the answers. I don't think so. Yeah, that one annoyed me. It, especially when Goblet of Fire was as long as it was. It was already a pretty long book. Is it the longest book? No, I think Order of the Phoenix Order is longer. Order of the Phoenix might be longer, yeah. Right, yeah, that's right. Maybe she just needed something for Ron and Hermione to do. I think she needed a way to have Binky or Winky, whatever her name was, involved because that was telling her <coughs> what was going on with the Crouches during that book. True. It also annoys me that Harry was even in the stupid Goblet of Fire thing. <laughs> yeah there were it's, easier ways of doing it <laughs> yeah it was important yeah. it's like of course he's gonna be in it he's the main character magically have him in. but i mean that's the entire point of the story right like nice. pretty much all harry potter is harry's gonna get involved in these hijinks whether he likes it or not because he's the chosen one you know so of course he's gonna get in granted you know the whole goblet of fire thing was pretty like like I feel like like Voldemort and Wiley Coyote were like texting back and forth like <laughs> drunkenly one night, and that's how they came up with this plan. Also, that is an extremely stupid plan. <laughs> Why in the world is the Goblet of Fire not protected by like? Oh, I'll just write a random school on here and get in automatically. <laughs> like, how did no one else do that? Don't ask questions about explaining the world building. That that won't get you anywhere. But it, like, 
she could have done something clever or creative and said he something like what no i mean I, I think they did have to say it was supposed to be like a powerful charm that bamboozled the cup but it is weird that it wasn't protected against that because obviously other people would try to yeah I, I think i feel like that's the first thing fred and joy would have done is just made up schools and thrown their name in well apparently the first thing was to trying to age themselves true all right they really couldn't do it yeah because they were like just like a month or something away from being 17 and they just wanted to age themselves by a month and then they grew beards and then the whole thing like why uh it's like why don't you just not have potter in it like, <laughs> yeah, like, the more logical thing was like this was clearly a mistake or this was weird you're just gonna sit out and everyone else is gonna compete right because right? you're still not old enough to do it so <laughs> like no matter how you tricked yourself in we know already that you're not old enough so just no done <laughs> but no the goblet of fire has spoken so seriously, what would have happened if you just like, okay, he's going to show up and he's going to walk through the race and, and everyone else is actually running. He's still technically doing it. He's just racing. He just gets a chaperone who doesn't let him move any. Yeah. They really need like child protection was in that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just straight murdering children for sports. Like, you have to be 17 to compete because it's dangerous. Or if you accidentally get in there anyways, well, good luck. <laughs> you don't drown or get breathed in by a dragon or get eaten by a sphinx and god knows what else or go insane from the maze yeah because didn't they say something about people would like go mad in there i thought i, thought I remember yeah. something about that i mean of hopefully all the not they just grew the maze <laughs> a bunch of dangerous things and like i don't know maybe something i should have been at least for the maze that everything is just gonna like keep you there and you get stuck versus like actually killed I mean, everything most kind of, things. The dragons was a bit crazy. And the mer people were a little, uh, I mean, they were nicer. But yeah, the, it, like there the was no actual people. risk of harm to these people. They were just there. The dragons were seriously harmful. Yeah. I'm surprised more people didn't just try a freaking broomstick with dragons. That Apparently like... that's just too weird. I mean. Also, what did he, didn't he use the Accio charm to call his broom to the place from like a mile away? And why couldn't yeah. you just do the Accio egg thing? Oh, point. you didn't think of that one? No, I think I have, but there is no good answer, is there? No. It's <laughs> like, just it's right there. It's also a really good book book for, or set, set of books for, okay, we're going to have this item that fixes everything and we never hear about it again. So basically, world building in Harry Potter was very heavy-handed and while still simple. a f- fun, I mean, it's a fantastic series with great characters and Plenty of world building that falls apart if you think too hard. Yeah, the world building is very flashy and very fun, but it you, it can't go very deeply. I still don't understand how wizards live in the modern world and have utterly no grasp of anything muggle-related whatsoever. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, that's something... It's a very, like, scary society they live in. Like, completely closed off, etc. Yeah. Okay, what was I going to say? Oh, and then the whole Deathly Hallows thing. It was bad enough, you know, Horcruxes look six, and it's like, okay, so here's how Voldemort to kill. Mm-hmm. And then in book seven, here's the magical artifacts. Yeah. It, it always seems like a really dumb decision to me that the symbol that took off for being Harry Potter was the triangle circle and the, the stick instead of the lightning bolt, because that's what it was for six books. And then all of a sudden that comes out in the last book, and that's what people latch on to. But it was it should, just, though, that type of heavy symbology should have been there the entire time, but it wasn't. Well, you shouldn't introduce these all-powerful magical artifacts in book seven. The only redeeming aspect of it was that one of them had been around since book one. He just didn't know it. Well, technically, I guess, too. 
The oh, wand. What was the third one? The oh, the stone. Where was the fuck was the stone again? The resurrection stone. Oh, I I didn't like book seven. I've never really read it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it made Snape worth it. But yeah. <laughs> so how did no one look at, at the invisibility cloak as like a bigger deal for six books? Yeah. Mm. Also, that ma- the Marauders map is very impressive when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. that thing is OP as fuck. I mean, <laughs> well, it sees straight through an invisibility cloak, apparently. <laughs> and it would the the thing of like, why did Fred and George let Peter Pettigrew sleep in their brother's bed for how many years? They never. Well, he got it. But they, they they looking at this, they never saw that there was another name next to Ron, and it was, for example, male, and you, that's absolutely worth meddling well, with your brother about. Just pillow friends. <laughs> Since you can't go to the female. Weasleys are very accepting of alternatives. <laughs> but, you know, there's like, okay, so if, if Ron and Harry were in the same bed, oh, yeah, pillow friends. But it's like, who the fuck is Peter Pettigrew? And then you find out, oh, he's dead. Why was he? And Peter Pettigrew was a well-known name, too. Right. right. Mm. Yeah, there's uh, one thing uh, in Harry Potter and also in Hunger Games that I really despise is the the writing is very, uh, then a miracle occurs. Like, it's just so coincidental how they just managed to not die so many times. <laughs> at least Justin pokes fun at that fact. He's like, I haven't died because of sheer luck. People are afraid of me. Why? <laughs> well, there is a, a good quote. It's like, you, it's, it's perfectly okay to get your characters in trouble by using coincidence, but using it to get them out is cheating. <laughs> Unless you're Terry Pratchett. That's going to be my disclaimer every time we say this now. Is that, I'm sure Pratchett could pull it off. But like, it's really bad. I'm trying to remember specific examples because it's been a while since I've read the books, but like, it's really bad in the Hunger Games. I remember reading the first book and like, this is very, as I called it, uh, T-A-M-O writing, then a miracle occurs. You know, like so many times, like it's just like, oh look, miracle time. Yeah, you want your character. I mean, that's goes to the inaction of main characters in plenty of series. Mm-hmm. You want your main characters to get themselves out of situations or figure things out with their own intuition. I mean, even if someone is helpless, but someone else to save them needs to go through a whole bunch of shit. And it has to be known up front. Because if even if it's explained afterwards, the impact is different. Right. I like, so this is a very random example, but in the current World of Warcraft expansion, there's a quest line where you get captured by a bad guy and thrown in a cave with uh, chains. And then immediately your ally shows up and takes you out. But before you're freed, you go through the quest where you actually play as that other character who proceeds to fight his way through everything to get to your cave and unlock you. It's like, oh, so that's how he did it. That was cool. Like, even though you're immediately rescued, it still stops to to show you how, what he had to go through to get there. Yeah. This seems to happened in several times in games. Like, well, this character is stuck and now you have to free them and play other character in order to do it. Wasn't that done like The Witcher or something, or something similar? Well, you, uh-huh. well, what they do in The Witcher, especially tracing down Siri, and every once in a while you get to play Siri's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is- As they're telling her story, it's like you actually get to make the decisions and change how she's doing things, which affects the whole story. Yeah, it's a, it's a, which is when a I good tactic. Save to make sure I actually win that horse race and not lose it, because Siri has to win everything. <laughs> I save scum. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I save before every pickpocket in Skyrim. When you can reload in 10 seconds, you, less than that, you do it mm-hmm. too. Uh, let's see, what else do I have? I've got everything in A Song of Ice and Fire. 
Well, so Song of Ice and Fire is it's pretty decent. It's pretty fun. He bogs things down way too much with way too much. Yeah. I don't think, I think his biggest weakness is he doesn't have the ability to create a scope to the story. He can't narrow it down to anything. He's just constantly expanding it. When he decides to make something impactful happen, it's really, really good. Mm. But getting to that point takes like four books. And then once that event happens, he shows you every single fallout from it. And now there's a storyline from that one. Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't be getting new characters in book five. Also, I, it was dumb of him to make the characters as young as they were. Like He planned a five-year time gap. That's why book four and five were so troublesome. Is there actually a five-year time leap? No. Well, then the character is still running around at 15 years old, taking over the world. When he started the story, he planned, after I think Storm of Swords, he planned a five-year time jump. Uh And then when he tried to write it, it didn't work, which is why Feast of Crows took so long to come out. He eventually abandoned the plan. That's weird. Now we're stuck in the scenario we're in. That's weird. Because uh, if you're going to plan a time jump, then you should probably stick to it because... Now you have 15-year-olds taking over the world. Yeah, that's, a, that's a trope I hate, is the kids who are young and are doing things that they shouldn't be allowed to do. Yeah, it, anime does that all the time, and it's really annoying. It's like, the most important person in the world is a 15-year-old that is, like, the chosen one, and they're acting like 30-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think, <laughs> to bring up Wheel of Time again, it's kind of the opposite, because Rand and Matt and Perrin are, like, 18 or 19 when it start. They mm-hmm. come off as like 14 or 15 old kids. Like they're actually adults. They're actually somewhere around 18. But you think you're just reading another. Well, yeah, there, there's a lot of a lot of stuff in a lot of stories, TV, whatever, where they're acting in a way that is not age appropriate. Like, you you know, like older. the 14 year olds that are just like hyper sexualized and all this <laughs> stuff. And. It's just you see it all the time in a lot, a lot of different age appropriate characters acting that way is something that's a little difficult. It's like you know, adults acting like adults that seems simple. Um, but I'm actually a little afraid of ever writing a character that's a child because I don't remember exactly what it was like to be a child. I remember some things, yeah, but it's hard to remember how was I problem solving at that time. I mean, I just made fun of Rand for acting like old, but how mature are we? <laughs> yeah, it varies wildly at 18. Yeah. So it, in, if I were to do that and have three 18-year-olds, I'd have one acting like 15 and one acting like 25, just to, like, hey, Baron acts spectrum. Like Baron acts like he's 50. <laughs> yes, he does. And Matt acts like he's 12, because play pranks. And he is. not a 12-year-old. Matt doesn't know what's going on. It's reminding me of a joke from Archer. Uh, it was the episode that they're locked in an elevator, and, uh, fuck, now I can't remember his name. Um, the accountant guy was trying to yell at Archer. And he was like, you're so childish and you're going to go do something, thing, then you're going to have sex with someone. And Archer was like, that's the most adult thing I could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Archer. It's not on Netflix anymore and I'm so sad. It's not? Nope. I missed my opportunity. Oh yeah, it's been gone for like two or three months. I'm pissed off. I wouldn't have noticed if it was gone for two or three years. <laughs> Maybe it's on Hulu. So um, I have this written down for malazan but it really applies to like 90 percent of fantasy stories where everyone talks too far above their station in life as in vocabulary malazan, yeah malazan in particular has soldiers constantly waxing poetically about philosophy and life in general which is just not expected or realistic <laughs> but characters in fantasy always talk too fancy i can expect soldiers to talk about philosophy but they'll do it with bad grammar and a lot of cussing 
Oh, there's a character in uh, Wheel of Time that's a soldier, and he'll occasionally complain about life and the meaning of it, but every other word is a swear. It's great. That's much more realistic. <laughs> but I don't know, it just always bothers me when you've got soldiers who are, like, giving out these philosophical musings that could have fit Voltaire's. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, actually, for soldiers to think a lot about the meaning of life and, and, and stuff, but there's no way in hell they'll do it with good grammar. One or two of them, maybe, but a lot of them are just bad grammar, bad words, mispronouncing things everywhere. Especially in a typical medieval fantasy setting where mm-hmm. all your soldiers are probably just ripped off their farms. Mm-hmm. Mm. Tend not to be the most uh, educated. Yeah, I mean, that's a common thing in a lot of stories is people who have no business knowing what they know. Like, either their they're, 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 they're station in life does not equate to the way they act. So like, you know, the soldiers talking too well or, you know, the the hacker who is also like the best doctor in the world and also, you know, that those kind of things. Wheel of Time also does it when the Emeline Seat, the head of the Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. she comes from the city of Tyr, which is primarily fishing. So every single time she talks, all of her metaphors are fishing related. But she's been the most powerful woman in the world for 10 years and has been outside of the city for like 30 or something, 40 years. Probably still shouldn't be using a fishing girl's metaphors. But how do you identify her otherwise? I mean, it's got to be from the fishing metaphors. Yeah, that's the problem is it comes off as like this was the only characterization of the, of the character. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, when things are done too simply and too surface level, it will be noticeable yeah. in any genre. All right. Anything else that uh, we can think of something that from a series we liked that we're irritated about? I just start with a disclaimer that, sorry, uh, Wheel of Time is a great series. Please do read it. <laughs> the more, like, I love Ready Player One, but, like, the more I think about it, the more I start to hate it because, like, Wade is a terrible human being. <laughs> and I don't like it when terrible human beings win, even though he's the good guy. And so, like, and you see that in a lot of, like, a lot of, especially sitcoms, like How I Met Your Mother, all terrible people. Friends, all terrible people. We watch, uh, I watch, what's it called? Um, what's the show? The Goldbergs. Okay. Which is hilarious. But the older sister is a horrible person. And every single episode ends with her realizing that she was mean and she's going to make it up. But after like six seasons, you're just a bitch now. Like, <laughs> stop having to be taught the lesson every episode. Like, she's just always doing the selfish thing and then having to realize that she did the selfish thing and she feels bad now. But right. If you this, don't change yourself, then you're not yeah. a good person. If character changes don't stick, then then it's not happening. So There's no actual growth. Joke, right. But yeah, like I remember, you know, cause I, you know, uh, I was in college uh, around the time when Friends was like super popular, you know, early 2000s. And I remember everyone's like, oh, like one girl in particular was like, oh, I want to be like Ross and Rachel. Then I finally watched Friends and was like, wow, these are two terrible human beings being terrible to each other. Like they have no business being together. (laughs) I think that's why I still enjoy, I know people have issues with the last episode of uh, Seinfeld, but it's just a montage of how, no, they really were terrible people this whole time. Well, that's one of the things I do like about the show. Granted, I'm I'm in season eight right now, so I'm chug like I don't know I don't know they changed it up like they changed the format a bit in season eight and I don't like it as much but like you they're terrible people who get shit on all the time 
and that's the joke. Like, it's not that, like, they're, they're never portrayed as good humans. No. Like, they're flighty, they're just terrible to other people, like, and there's, like, dating relationships and stuff. No, they're just terrible. They're just terrible people. So, yeah, I just don't like terrible people winning, because it just seems to be what happens. How I Met Your Mother could have been better if they just acknowledged that everyone's terrible and it's okay. This right. is my issue with Kelsier, is that as a person, he made sense, but you need to point out that he's fucked up. Yeah. And someone needs to really pointedly point that out, and they did, never did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then they murder him, and that's the only thing mm. they ever get is that and then, Yeah, and everyone looks up to him, and it's like, oh, he was so wonderful. You, you might be coming back for the dead. Blah, blah, blah. I'm so excited. He was a very twisted person. Yeah, he kind of just liked to murder people and yeah. justify it by making up an excuse. I feel like him and Zane would have gotten along. Zane just pointedly didn't care. Kelsier thought he was doing it. Oh, they're traitors. Like, they're not worth it because they're traitors. Zane just didn't care. Zane's actually kind of more sympathetic. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck else here. <laughs> so, um, anything else? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was say like I think I'm good for now. I'm sure I'll yeah. think of. I know as soon as I like we get off the air, I'm going to think of like five things. <laughs> Write them down yeah, and months, we'll we can do, do it. Ranting. Exactly. The life of this podcast is uh, ranting. Always get enough content to have another ranting. Even though some of it might be regurgitated, but we can do it again. Who cares? Yep. Yeah. So uh, thanks for coming out. Um, broken jars at XYZ, patreon.com forward slash broken jars if you want to give us some of your hard earned money. Um, broken jars, broadcasting at gmail.com. Lots of uh, other podcasts too. Lots of other podcasts, Resin Files podcasts, and new material to review. Eventually. We have new material and we have new people. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yay. And we also have Great Scott, which we're about to say goodbye to Michael. It's going to be very sad. And yeah, so check out the other shows. We should really do this beginning because no one's going to listen to this point. But that's why I say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks for coming out and we'll see you all in two weeks. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Bye-bye.